Hey, honeybee, guess what? What's that? We had a response to our little giveaway. What? First giveaway. What's up? Yes, the prize went to a listener who calls themselves Marvel. Uh, Marvel, thank you so much for listening. And congratulations for being the first winner. I don't know if Marvel identifies as a male or female. They just said Marvel, and their little picture was a cat. Hot. But thanks for listening. And and Marvel told me that the code did indeed work. Fuck so yeah, I, I was wondering enjoy. if it was going to work. <laughs> uh, I hope they enjoy watching Ultra Q. Thanks for listening, Marvel. Please uh, tell all your friends. Oh, and uh, they also said that they love the show. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much, Marvel. Congratulations for being our first winner ever. And friends and neighbors, I have also started a Facebook group. We had a page before, but now we have a group. So I will put the link to that in the show notes and it's on our main anchor page, but I think it's just facebook.com slash groups slash MMFTG. I will correct that if it is not correct. <laughs> and now on with our regular show. Ow! One, two, three, four. Monster movie. Fun time, go! 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 With Precious D and Honey Bee. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am one of your hosts, Precious D. And I am another one of your hosts, Sunny B. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about Ultraman from 1966. But before we get into that, I want to talk about, I don't know if it's Kaiju News exactly, but it's a thing I stumbled upon. Okay. That is related to what we're talking about today, it shows the extent of the influence of this show. Hit me with the truth. There's a thing on HBO called Mecha Builders. Okay. Did you get the chance to watch it? Mm-mm. It is a spinoff of Sesame Street, which Sesame Street's on HBO now. Really? A few years ago, Children's Television Workshop was running in, and PBS, they were running into some funding problems. And HBO stepped up and said, we will fund Sesame Street. Uh, what we want to do is put on HBO first, and then six months later, you can show those same episodes on PBS to everybody for free. Mm. A lot of people were upset about that, but the alternative seemed to be no Sesame Street at all. Oh, shit. So, yeah. And fuck that. It was either people who pay for HBO get Sesame Street six months ahead of all you poors, or nobody gets any <laughs> Sesame Street. <laughs> So yeah, the other the other option was nobody gets any Sesame Street at any time. So uh Hell nah. That's what happened. Speaking as a poor, give us the Sesame Street, okay? We don't care when we get it, we just want it. So there's a bunch of Sesame Street content on HBO. It's one of their little they have the little hubs, like a DC hub and a Cartoon Network hub. Mm-hmm. And there's a Sesame Street hub. And I stumbled on this thing. Mecha Builders, it's a cartoon. And it features Mecca Abby, Mecca Elmo, and Mecca Cookie. 
And I only watched the first, each episode seems to have two segments in it. So basically two little short cartoons per episode. And there's only like three up so far. So I only watched the first segment. Abby, uh, you're familiar with Abby? To me, she's still one of the new Muppets, but she's probably been around for 10 or 15 years. <laughs> she's Abby uh, Kadabby. She's a little fairy, magic fairy Muppet. What does she look like? Uh, I mean, she's pink and she's got wings. Okay. And she has okay. 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 Wand. Okay. Anyway. They're mecha versions of Abby Kadabby, Elmo, and Cookie Monster. There's no explanation of why they are mechas. Did the original people turn into mechas? Did somebody build these mecha replicas of them? It's not as if they're... So they're they're like sort of human... They're very much like Ultraman and similar characters in that they, they are human-sized mechas who at the end of each episode will temporarily power up to giant size. But there's a timer on Cookie, so they have a limited amount of... They can't just power... The minute there's a problem, they can't power up because they only have a limited time, so they got to save it till they really need it. So it's not as if Elmo is inside of Mecha Elmo controlling him. Mecha Elmo just is, and then he grows bigger. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. But they're, they're just like, this is just the way it is. There's no well, explanation. Well, yeah, because three-year-olds don't give a fuck. They just want big Elmo. Yeah. They don't care about continuity or why he was a monster <laughs> and now he's a machine. And honestly, they don't, they don't I care. don't either. <laughs> yeah. Their thing was, uh, it's all about solving problems. And I guess yeah. building, because it's called Mecha Builders. And mm -hmm. they, I can't remember how they what the first step was but basically they identify the problem they make a plan they test the plan and then they implement the plan yeah sesame street in this one a giant pie just appears in the sky as if it were a flying saucer but it's a it's a pie literal pie yum and there's a note there's a card on it but they start cutting up the pie and distributing it to everybody before they read the card and everybody gets poisoned and dies. No, that's not what happens. That is not what happens. <laughs> but it could have. You don't just start eating some strange pie. Holy shit. I wish everyone could see my face when you said that just now. Like, I was so like, what? No, when they open the note to see who the pie was from, it's from these aliens to say, hey, guys, there is an asteroid heading your way, heading right towards... Uh, fairly large city, I think it's called. <laughs> Something like uh, that. Okay. But don't worry, we've sent this pie and put it in the exact right position for it to catch the asteroid and save your city. And then they're like, oh, crap, we ate the pie. <laughs> <laughs> now what are we going to do? We've got it. So they have to identify what qualities the pie had that they and what they can use to replicate those qualities. What are the important qualities it had that would stop an asteroid so it was soft and it but it was spongy but it was also sticky and and then they have to identify a, what substance can we use to replace the pie which ends up being chewing gum uh, 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 but they have to grow to mecha size to chew up enough i mean the giant mecha size to chew up enough gum in time to put it in the because the pie pan's still there just levitating above the city my gosh i'm so excited to watch this. this whole concept of these mechas who grow to giant size evolves directly from what we're talking about today ultraman sing 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 
Honeybee is making sort of karate Ultraman poses. <laughs> it's from 1966, 39 episodes. It is spun off from sort of a sequel, but not exactly, to Ultra Q that we talked about last week. Though some of the same monsters do appear, and some of the same monster suits are just redressed into other monsters. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yes. It is again by E.G. Tsurabaya from Tsurabaya. Subaraya, sorry, Subaraya Productions. This started the week after Ultra Q. They actually preempted the last ex- episode of Ultra Q to show the birth of Ultraman TV special. That w- It's so weird. I, and I'm not sure why they did this. So one place I read that they needed a little more time to work on the effects. So to give themselves an extra week, they just did this little premiere introduction to Ultraman thing. But if they had another episode of Ultra Q sitting around that they preempted it for, they could have just shown that and it would have given him more time. So the last episode of Ultra Q doesn't get shown till December. This Birth of Ultraman special was shown on July 10th, 1966. And this established the tradition of Ultraman Day, which apparently happens every year. Uh, so, so the first episode is called Ultra Operation Number One. But there is this pre-episode, this sort of episode zero. It's not... Ultraman is on Tubi and it's on Pluto. Shout Factory has the rights to all this stuff right now. And they put up a bunch of stuff on all these streaming services. So you can also buy the physical copies from Shout Factory. They have streaming channels as well. And, you know, you can get this all over the place. I couldn't find it on Tubi. Ultraman? Yeah. I'm pretty... It, I, thought it was on Tubi. It's definitely on one. It's on Pluto. It's on Pluto for sure. Some of these things are on both. A whole bunch of the later spinoff series, sequel series are on there. Not every single one, I don't think, but a lot of them. Anyway, this this special, it's so weird. So anyway, that the special's not readily available. I think you can find it archived on the internet. I have a digital copy from the thing out from the movie spree i was talking about last week you can find it it's weird what it reminds me of honeybee i don't know if they were still doing this when you were a kid but they used to have these saturday morning cartoon previews the networks like the friday before they were starting a new season of their saturday morning cartoons the friday before they would have a primetime special where some current celebrity who was probably on one of their network sitcoms or some something somebody like freddie prince uh, senior would show us a little preview of the new what the new cartoons were going to be so they'd have some weird framing sequence and then they'd show us a bunch of clips of the cartoons i, I never cartoon. saw that i never saw that in like on tv i saw that more in like movies like a preview of a movie it would be like an actor from that movie you know like hey look at this new movie i'm in <laughs> but never like cartoons i think it was already over this was like it would be a whole ha- hour half hour to an hour long show that they make a oh, wow. big deal about oh wow no i've never seen that I had a friend in school, uh, hello, Paul Porter, if you're listening, his birthday always happened to be around that time. So he would have a birthday party, slumber party, where we would watch the preview on Friday night. And then we'd all get up way early on Saturday, that Saturday morning to watch all the new cartoons. One Saturday morning. (laughs) 
Anyway, my point is this Birth of Ultraman special is very much like that. It's a <laughs> stage show. It's so weird. It is a stage show that it was then filmed and put on television. So there's an audience full of children and their parents. Weird. And this guy, this scientist guy comes out on stage who apparently is Eiji Tsuburaya himself and basically introduces us to the whole concept of Ultraman and introduces us to a bunch of characters. And there's a bunch of kaiju coming out on stage or making noises off stage. A bunch of men in scientist outfits come in and sing the Ultraman song even though the actual broadcast version is a children's choir, <laughs> this is like a men's quartet or quintet singing the Ultraman song. Sorry! It is just so weird. You gotta watch it. It's in black and white. And if you do find it, the quality is, is pretty crappy. But the Ultraman show itself is in color. So there you go. Let's get a little bit of um, basic information about it. Susumu Kurobi plays Shin Hayata, a science patrol member who transforms into Ultraman with the beta capsule. Yeah. Bin Furaya was chosen as the suit performer for Ultraman. Though some of these credits I found, it looks like he didn't necessarily play him in every episode. Hmm. Akiji Kobayashi is Captain Toshio Muramatsu, leader of the Science Patrol. Uh, Sandayu Dokumamushi plays Daisuke Arashi. He is the Science Patrol's expert marksman. Masanari Nihai plays... Mitsuhiro Aide, the Science Patrol's comical inventor. He creates the team's missiles, guns, and monster language translator. I do love that guy. Uh, did you? Yeah, I love... He was very... Annoying. The way he talks to the camera is very Sesame Street. Yes. <laughs> I don't think he does that most of the time. I think that was just that one episode. Aww. Hiroko Sakurai plays Akiko Fuji. The Science Patrol's communication officer, and we just saw her in Ultra Q mm -hmm. playing Yuriko. She's back, but playing a different part now. Yeah, welcome back, baby. Akahide Tsuzawa is Isamu Hoshino, the Science Patrol's unofficial mascot. He's this kid who's just hanging around all the time. Yeah, he's our Ito. Just there. Yes, he, he's uh, very much a Panchito. Yeah, he could be Hosh... Oh, his name's Hoshino? Hoshito. Hoshino. Hoshito. Hoshinito. <laughs> in the English dub, in one episode, they identify him as Fuji's younger brother. But that's yeah. just in the dub. In the actual original show, it's never explained. And he's got a different last name from her. Yeah. A different family name, I should say. Uh... So I don't think he's intended to be her brother. I just think whoever was dubbing it felt they needed to explain it. We do that sometimes. I mean, he does take a vacation with her, which would make sense if he was her brother. But 
even if he is her brother, there's no reason for him to constantly be hanging around the science patrol and getting into trouble. Uh, but our old friend uh, Akihiko Hirata plays Dr. Iwamoto, the science patrol's science advisor. He was not in the two episodes we watched, but I think he shows up in the third one. Honeybee, what are, what's your initial impression of Ultraman? Well, I really enjoyed Ultraman uh, and his suit, giving me a very... <laughs> um, did you guys Did it give you the tingles? Seen... To... Yeah, yeah. Did you? It reminded me of uh, David Bowie in the Labyrinth. Like I was like, that is okay. Some, that is some bulge, <laughs> Ultraman. Smuggling a fairy dog in there. Anyways, I enjoyed Ultraman. I I really liked it. I thought I think it's like the first thing that we've seen of this really like superhero dude, right? Like kind of. Yeah. And um. I guess I don't really expect much of that from these movies, from our kind of movies and stuff, but I enjoyed it. I really liked it and it made me laugh a lot in, in some ways, like it was supposed to, and in some ways, probably not like it was supposed to, <laughs> but it was so good. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed uh, what we talked about last week, which was Ultra Q. They were very just like um like it, it was just very similar to me in a sense of like entertainment and yeah. i i did enjoy it i was glad that this was in color uh i feel like that's a good step up but yeah i i, I enjoyed it yeah at this uh i don't know if ultra q because ultra q was supposedly it was the most expensive japanese tv show produced at the time so i don't think it was necessarily in black and white to save money the, the quality was fantastic. It may, it may just be there are not enough color televisions. But yeah. just later that same year, they decided, well, color TVs are getting big. Maybe we should make this in color. I don't know. I couldn't see anything definitive about why this one needed to, was in color and the previous one was not. Um, but yeah, this premieres just a week after. The, they have a preview. They've got Ultra Q shows its next to last episode. They have the special preview in black and white, and then the next week is the first episode. They eventually show that last episode of Ultra Q in December of the next year. <laughs> so they just let it sit around for a long time while they went all... I'm guessing they went all the way through Ultraman before they showed... Oh, here's this leftover yeah. episode we've got. <laughs> this is... You're talking about the first time we've seen this. This is the first of what has come to be known as the... Uh, Kaiodai hero, the giant hero. This becomes oh. a genre in Japanese television Damn. of the hero who transforms. He's either big normally and becomes small to hide, or he is a human who transforms into some sort of giant alien or giant robot or something like that in order to fight giant monsters. And if you don't know, just ask Elmo. Yes. <laughs> and the Power Rangers is a variation on this in that yes. they form their little ships together to make a giant robot. To, but there's it's the basic, same basic thing. It evolved out of it. And uh, Power Rangers, if you don't know, is actually originally a Japanese show. What they did was they took the stock footage. It's a whole series of Japanese shows. And they just took the giant fight footage and all the monster stuff from the Japanese shows. And then they filmed some new American stuff 
to put around it. Son of a bitch. Most of the time when they're in their costumes fighting, it, it depends. Uh, so often the, the, the actual basic storyline is very different. And it's just the fight that's the same. <laughs> they're not just straight up remaking it. They're just making their own story around this footage that they've got. So it's, uh, I think it's the Super Sentai series. Anyway, that all is part of this whole idea uh, that starts with Ultraman. And Ultraman was, was also the first Japanese TV show to get syndicated worldwide. So wow. it was seen in, in, in America back around that time. Uh, so yeah, a whole a whole genre starts off with this, and as we said at the top of the show, influences everything to from Power Rangers to freaking Sesame Street cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> the, the show begins. The show begins with the Ultra Q logo or title card, mm-hmm. you know, doing the little sand thing. In, but it's in color now. It's a yep. sort of blue, yellow, and black mixture. Doing the reverse sand thing into the Ultra Q logo, and then there's sort of an explosion of red through it, and the title Ultraman, and then it says basically science fiction fantasy show. Ultraman fantasy tokusatsu series. Uh, And then it'll have the title of the particular episode, and there's a a theme song that plays. I like the theme song. Which version, the Japanese or the uh, American version? The Japanese version. I think just the the subtitled ones are on Pluto. I I have a DVD set that has both the dubs and the subtitles. Nice. Uh, the the American one is the same tune, but they you know translated the lyrics. Yeah, I had no idea what they were saying because I didn't have that, but <laughs> I loved it. Well, anyway. there should, should still be subtitles for the theme song. That the symbol on his chest is a meteor. Or, I don't know. <laughs> he flies around in his favorite jet. So episode one is Ultra Operation Number One. When patrolling the skies on the night shift, Shin Hayata reports back to home base. He has seen a UFO. An enormous red orb is chasing a blue orb across the night sky. As fate would have it, Hayata's ship accidentally collides with the red object just as the blue UFO descends into a nearby lake. Hayata is saved by the strange alien inhabiting the red glowing vessel. From the nebula M78, the benevolent being explains it was pursuing the monstrous pilot of the blue ship, Bemular, after it escaped being escorted to the monster graveyard. Merging with Hayata and giving him the beta capsule, the SSSP, Science Special Search Party, member secretly becomes Ultraman whenever monsters or aliens threaten the Earth. I kind of thought this was like a weird speech that the alien gives the guy when he's just like, I will become one with you. Like, damn, yeah. ask me permission. Well, he basically accidentally kills Hayata and feels guilty about it. So to make up for it, he's going to marry use him? his energy with it. <laughs> well, he kind of gives him his energy, I guess. He sort of condemns himself to being trapped here on Earth. Mm-hmm. and gives him this beta capsule so he gets kind of brought back to life but whenever he pushes the beta capsule it's kind of a tube with a button on the end it's about six inches long i guess whenever he pushes it he then transforms into ultraman but then there's a timer i don't know if it comes up in the first episode but it does in the second one that there's a timer he will run out of energy mm-hmm. basically if he goes too long if he doesn't change back he could he could die 
if he lets his energy deplete completely, he'll die. And uh, once again, this is a reason for him not to just instantly become Ultraman the moment a problem shows up. It has mm-hmm. to escalate a little bit before he he has to wait for the bad guy to get big before he can get big. <laughs> just like on Power Rangers. As soon as the putties show up, the Power Rangers should just turn into the giant thing and stomp them all. But they don't. They always let make the enemy escalate at first before they go from stage one to stage two and stage two to stage three. It's Same. similar in Ultraman, Same. but he but he only has two stages. <laughs> so these people, Hayata and his gang, they work for the Japanese branch of the Paris-based international sort of science patrol organization international science police organization and they specifically work for the science special search party within that organization i'd like to talk about their costumes for a moment sure they're standing around the office in sort of jackets and slacks what's her name akiko fuji has a skirt but she has basically the same outfit and when they're called to action, they sort of rip off their stripper pants and they're, they're sort of action kind of, they're wearing sort of blue and gray office clothes and their action orange kind of jumpsuits are on underneath. They don't change into them. They were wearing them underneath the whole time. And we find out in the second episode, they sleep in them. Always ready. You always got to be ready. Yeah, they have these helmets that go with them. Keep that motherfucking thing on me. I think these costumes are both awesome and ridiculous at the same time. <laughs> I totally. Because they're orange. It looks like a jacket over a shirt with a tie, but it's not. The jacket and the shirt are the same piece. They're sewn to each other. <laughs> they're the same piece. And I don't kind of think... like if you wear those uh, tuxedo shirt. Yeah, I I don't think that the necktie. I don't think there's buttons underneath it. It's just <laughs> to me, it's just so weird that these action jumpsuits have these neckties attached to them. And I think they are also sewn to. I don't think they're ties that are actually tied around a collar. I think they're sewed to the suit. Business they're, they're casual, baby. Yeah. Yeah, you got to look them up. They're great. It's kind of like a mullet. Yeah. Like business in the front. <laughs> Party in the back. We do see at one point that um, Fuji has one also. She's wearing a, you know, gender-specific skirt in the office, but when she's out flying the plane, she's got her own just jumpsuit like everybody else's. They kind of go back and forth with her. Sometimes they're kind of sexist to her, and sometimes she's out there kicking ass with everybody else. Yeah, she she really holds her own. Even when they're, like, a little sexist, she's like, what'd you say, bitch? Yeah, I think it's one of those cases that the characters are being sexist, but the ch- show's trying not to be. Cause right. Because she pushes back whenever they're like, you're just a girl, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, well, your mom doesn't think so. Kidding. So there, there's a significant part of the show where they all think that Hayata is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're very happy when it turns out he's not. The alien shows up and fights the monster and then goes away. And then Hayata comes running up. Hey, everybody, I'm, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, you're alive. 
They, of course, don't put it together at all. But why would they? He was a giant. It's not like a Clark Kent and Superman thing. Yeah. It's a normal guy in an orange outfit and a giant guy in a silver and red outfit. <laughs> so why would you think, why would you suspect at all that they were the same guy? Right. Uh, but they decide to, they just, he was like, what was that guy called? I don't know. He didn't have a name. Well, let's just call him Ultraman. Because, yeah. because Ultra is a very popular word in Japan right now. I mean, that's why Ultra Q was called. Ultra Q was, I didn't mention this last week. It was originally supposed to be called Unbalanced. Oh. The world is out of balance. But Ultra had become a very trendy word, and Q stood for question. But now we got Ultraman, which is not a bad name. Pretty good superhero name. Yeah, I like it. So, yeah, that's the that's the first episode. Uh, an alien accidentally kills him and then gives him his power to use. It merges with him, with, as you say, not asking permission to do so. <laughs> but I guess when the alternative is just to, just to let him die, then... <laughs> yeah. So there you go. This, as I've said, is the first of a whole line of Ultra series. Some of them are not directly connected, even though they're similar types of characters. But then later series do connect them, sort of retcon them together. And so it appears that there are like alternate universes with different Ultramen in them or different Ultras who then... then end up crossing over at some points and then netflix currently has an ultraman anime that appears to be a direct sequel to this it's the son the son of hayata is being called upon to be the current ultraman Let's take a quick look at the second episode called Shoot the Invaders. <laughs> pretty pretty straightforward title there. Savages, savages, barely even human. <laughs> the story is framed as Mitsuhiro Aide's explanation of how he came to have a black eye. Oh my gosh, I love this. I, did did you hate this? Did you absolutely? I hated it. it. I thought it was so stupid. He's uh, just so. I knew you were gonna hate it. The whole tone of Ultraman is much more child, or I want I don't want to say childish, but Ultra Q, even though it was you know kaiju fighting each other and stuff the tone of ultra q was rather serious and adults i think mm-hmm. i think it was trying yeah. to be a serious show ultraman as we saw from the audience full of children at the premiere special is being very much geared towards children that also might be part of why it's in color He's a story. he is but i'm just saying it's a very dramatic shift in tone from the one show to the next yeah Ide, he comes in to work with a black eye and then turns right to the camera and is like, oh, this, I guess you're wondering how I got this. And Fuji, I think, also looks at the camera and is like, hey, yeah, did you see his black eye? What a dumbass. And 
uh, he, what does it say? Uh, Masanari Nahis narrates the Japanese version. The provider of his English language voice does the same in the English version for American audiences. So I think a different character is actually telling, is actually narrating, but supposedly they're telling us how he got his black eye. And here's where we see, he's like, well, it all started. And here's where we see that they sleep in bunk beds in their uniforms. They have a fireman pole if they, there's an alert. <laughs> you guys can't see. Honey, honeybee's laughing very hard. I just love that so much. They're like, they're, it's just so funny. They're, they have a fireman pole if there's an alert. And these outfits, just like them sliding down the fireman pole. Yeah. Ooh, it's just so funny. <laughs> Late one night, a UFO is spotted over Japan. After a run-in with a strange insectoid creature, I thought he looked more like a lobster man, but Same. that leaves I a few... space lobster. Yeah, he's a kind of a silver space lobster. Uh, mm-hmm. That leaves a few humanoids in suspended animation. A defense council meeting is held <laughs> as to what to do with this potential menace from another world. Captain Muramatsu decides the best way is to attempt to communicate with it. When this goes sour, the aliens, called the Baltans, take control of Arashi's body, that's one of the team members, and declare their true purpose, to colonize the Earth with their own race, billions of which are already here, in microscopic form, and aboard a cloaked ship. Ultraman (laughs) fights the Baltans and uses his fluoroscope ray to decloak their ship and destroy it. I don't know why this was necessary. Are they just being stored microscopically, or are they normally microscopic? I think they're being stored microscopically. Okay, because if they're normally microscopic, then just let them stay. Who cares? Yeah, no, I think they're just that way. So they're like they in can... suspended animation for transport. Yeah, so purposes? that they can get there. Yeah, so that they can get there, and then once they get there, then they can make a big. Because that that oh, okay. makes it well, easier be a for problem. them to get them there. Yeah. Right. That can be a problem, yeah. So, but this, so it starts off with the with the guys in bed, and one of them's trying to count sheep, and he can't get to sleep. Yeah, he's like at twelve thousand something. Yeah, and it's it's all very it was all very cartoony and shticky, and I did not find it as amusing as you did. (laughs) I just found it to be a bunch of jackassery and then when they slide down the chute one of them does not put his boots on first and so and is just wearing sort of his house slippers and so there's this embarrassing moment when the chief calls him out on it he's like um look you're a very good soldier but uh looks down at his feet and the guy's like oh no and he gets just ridiculously embarrassed about the fact that he didn't put his boots on before he slid down the fire pole I they at one point he's supposed to go into the building and try to talk to the lobster guys, but is being very cowardly about it. I'm like, why are you on this team? <laughs> why are you here? But I guess if he's just the inventor, then he's not really meant to be a field agent. But he's got a uniform and a helmet. I don't know. It just seemed like why is this just now coming up that this guy's a total coward and doesn't want to do this he's shit? It's just a comedic relief for us. Yeah. Uh, well, for you. <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah. Oh, the aliens also do this weird sort of double image divide, thing. Divide or Im- and conquer. Yeah, he can divide into different 
there's more than one of him. There's one guy, but he's sort of projecting versions of himself, or is he actually making multiples of himself? It's he just has very to be weird. Because like, the, the multiples like also like do the freezy thing. So yes, he'll split apart and then he'll sort of merge back together, and it's never really explained how he's able to do this. I think because once again, kids it, don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, also. The Japanese don't give a shit. Um, their storytelling in general is more concerned with doing cool things and making cool things that look beautiful fight, or cool fight, or awesome, fight, fight. <laughs> and not and not as concerned with it being realistic as we are. Even in our fantasy stuff and sci- you know our inherently unrealistic stories, we still have a concern with a basic realism, with a sort of believability. Even mm-hmm. if we're talking about aliens or superheroes or something, it has to make a certain internal sense. And the Japanese don't care about that as much as long as it looks cool. Hell yeah. Make those monsters fight. Yeah, it did. The effect did look cool. So that I guess they didn't feel the need to explain why or how it happens. Fuck yeah, I support that fully. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, he pushes the capsule. Well, at one point he falls off the roof and loses the capsule, but he's manages oh, to get yeah. it. He's just about to activate it and it drops it. <laughs> I love when he like picks it up and it like turns into Ultraman real quick. I love that yeah. part. That was so good. So maybe some sort of <laughs> lanyard might be in order. Some sort of little wrist uh, <laughs> loop. Yeah. Keep from dropping that beta capsule. Uh, handle but um yeah he turns an ultraman and beats the crap out of the giant version because at some point the silver lobster alien grows to giant size so we gotta whip out the beta capsule and turn into ultraman and beat him up and here's where they make it clear like i said i don't think it was as clear in the first episode but they make it clear in this one that there's a countdown clock he can only remain ultraman for so long uh or it'll be bad so, uh, that's Ultraman. Uh, Honeybee, what in general do you give Ultraman? Uh, I'm going to say same. Um, also, at the end of this episode, uh, he finally tells how he got the black eye, which was oh, yes. basically just falling out of bed. And then it, yeah, ends, it had and nothing he, to like, do. Turns to the, yeah, it had nothing to do with anything. And he just, like, turns to the camera and, like, says, see, and, like, winks. I love that shit. I thought it was so good. I was like, fuck yes. But I'm going to say same as last week. Three stars for me. Yeah. He, um, yes, he got his black eye just by trying to go back to bed later and, and rolled over and fell on his face, fell out of the top bunk onto his face. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. The the aliens had nothing to do with it. (laughs) So, Love, what do you think? I'm gonna, I think, I mean, as much as I'm complaining about the, the stickiness of the second episode, um, I'm gonna give it three stars. Uh, I, yeah. I like it, and it's just, it's certainly an important show, definitely in Japanese culture, but it's as, as we've said, the reach goes far beyond just Japanese popular culture all the way into Sesame Street. Yeah, that's crazy. Who knew? Yeah. So, uh, Ultraman, you can watch it on Pluto and maybe yes. on Tubi, maybe not on Tubi, but it's definitely on Pluto. As I say, there's a new, most recent version is is on uh, Netflix, a cartoon version. 
there's many different uh, sequels and versions and uh, other cartoons, and I'm sure there must be comic books as well. There's all kinds of toys and things. Ultraman is all over the place, and then he's got so many imitators and other characters that he's influenced. So check out Ultraman. Give him a try. Uh, thanks for joining us. You can email us at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com. Check us out on Anchor, anchor.fm slash MMFTG. You can leave us a voicemail there. We're on the Twitter. We're on the Instagram. We're on the Facebook. Please like and review us and stuff on the iTunes and any place else you're listening to this. Tell all your friends. We need more listeners. We need bigger audience. You're enjoying the show, I presume, so encourage others to enjoy it as well. We might set up a Discord soon. I keep threatening to make a Patreon. We'll see what happens. But until next time, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honeybee. Remember to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. And please don't misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mmftg.